to Totalus Rankium. This week, Maximian. Hello and welcome to Roman Emperor's Totalus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob. Ranking all the emperors from Augustus to Augustus. This is episode 51, Maximian. Oh. Yes, I've been practising. I can say his <laughs> name. In my head I've just got a chimpanzee emperor. Yes, well maybe he is. Well, we know a lot about him, don't we? Because we already know a lot about Diocletian. That's true. Yes, but let's get his perspective, shall we? Let's do this. But, before we start today, I just want to address something that a few people raised online through Facebook. Yeah, we've got um, a few people, didn't we? Yeah, I did not mention last week the fact that the Principate period ended and yeah. the dominant or dominate period starts. I have no idea what that means. Well, these are two dividing areas of Roman history. Right. Uh, up until Diocletian, it's considered that all the emperors are following Augustus's model of being the emperor. Right. He is first amongst the citizens. He is yeah. princeps. Yeah. After Diocletian, it follows the dominant. As in domini. Yeah. Or dominoes. Uh, and that is our lord and protector kind of we will worship you kind of emperor ah so more on more on a pedestal yes right i didn't mention it i didn't mention it on purpose i thought as much <laughs> did you it's uh, so, uh, just a, a personal little bugbear of mine really i just didn't really see it was that important uh <laughs> I do realise it's important to have lines in history. Yeah. So you can help organise areas and eras. But no lines are neat, are they? No, I don't think they should be used too much because then you're you're danger of falling into certain traps. Mm. To say that Carinus was the end of an era and Diocletian was the start of an era yeah. would have very much been news to them at the time. Okay. They certainly would not have <laughs> seen the difference. Yes. So it's more of a retrospective yeah, the history of Rome flows through time. I don't want to draw too many arbitrary lines. Fair enough. Yeah, partly because it, it supports too much the great man theory of history. Yeah. That is the idea that great men have shaped history, right. and it's not bigger things moving. And yeah, yes, I agree that obviously occasionally you get someone along who does something big and changes mm. the course of history, but. I think it's widely accepted the great man view of history is not ideal nowadays. Well, we do it with all history, don't we? Like the Tudors, you, you, it's the period by the king at the time, even though they probably had, or queen, they probably had very little impact on social stuff other than killing a few people. Yes, exactly. It's too arbitrary. Yeah. So, example of the problem here, to say that Dominic starts right here at Diocletian and all before were in the Principate suggests that Severus and Augustus ruled in the same way. Uh, well, they are two very, very different rulers. Yeah. To go back even further, Domitian, our 11th emperor, yeah. you could very easily argue that he had more in common with Diocletian than Augustus. Yeah. Domitian wanted to be called Lord. Yeah. Domitian weakened the Senate. Would Caligula fit in there as well? Because he was a god, wasn't he? he yeah, to be. he was also insane, so who knows <laughs> yeah. how much that That's was true. really him trying well, to change things. Well, Hercules, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just not neat. You can always yeah. pick people out. And we will come up with emperors not long in the future who try and pull things back to the way things were right. earlier on in Roman's history. So it's not to say that there's a better time for this arbitrary line of before mm. is the prince, but afterwards yeah. is the dominant. Uh, 
Um, but if we rely too heavily on this line, it gives you a false impression that this is a brand new empire now. Yeah. Now, I know we said last week, oh, it's almost like he's created a new empire, mm. but it was almost as if it's not a new empire. Everyone is still in the Roman Empire. Yeah. Now, a more obvious and famous line here, that's also a personal bugbear of mine, mm. is the dividing line of Roman and Byzantine history. The idea that before was Roman, afterwards is the Byzantines. Mm. It's nonsense. It's They were Romans. They thought of themselves as Romans. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, well, in my opinion, the Roman Empire starts in Augustus and ends with Constantine the Eleventh. Who? In 1453. No. Yes. That's Tudor time. Yeah, so the distinction of Byzantine can be useful, but it should not be heavily relied upon, because no. they didn't consider themselves as Byzantine, they saw themselves as Roman. So how can we do from Augustus to Augustulus, then? That's when the West falls. Okay. So... In a nutshell. Yeah, and we are only going to go up to the West because it was just too much of a mammoth task to try and do the whole thing. That's not to say we might not try that in the future. That might be Series 3. Yes, it might well be. So maybe we will go all the way up to Tudor times. But, yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the idea of trying to do everything from the start just seemed too scary, so... <laughs> yeah. Went up to the fall of the West. Yeah. So anyway, that that's why I didn't mention it last time. Um, if you disagree with everything I've just said, fair enough, send us a message... We can debate it online. So, with that over, um, let's go into Maximian, shall we? Yeah. Yeah. Chimpanzee Emperor. He was born in modern-day Serbia, near Sermian, in the province of Pannonia. Hmm. He was born in around 250, possibly to a family of shopkeepers. Oh, that's nice. As with many emperors that we've recently done, he was from the Danube region, and he grew up in a war-torn province, and he joined the military. Of course he did. Yes. It's theorised that at this point he met a woman. A female woman? A female woman, and Ooh. possibly married her. Either way, he ended up with a daughter called Theodora. Theodora, Theodora. <laughs> yes. What? What is that programme? Wizardora. Wizardora, <clears throat> right, okay. <laughs> I'm sure it's great. He served under Aurelian, and then Brobus. And he picked up a lot of experience. At some point, he got married to Eutropia. Presumably, he got divorced. Or she died. Before. Or she died. Bubberap disease. Yeah, should we say that? Bubberap disease. That was a shame. So he got married again. This time, a woman from Syria. That's about all we know. Mm. We have no direct evidence that Maximian and Diocletian met at this stage. But we can assume that they did. Yeah. They probably became at least... Allies, probably friends. Yeah. Went around together. Had a few drinks together. Yeah, did a podcast. Yeah, that kind of thing. Right, so we know that he went east with Carus and Numerian to sack Tessaphon. Carus died, if you remember. Yes, he did. Numerian fell ill, if you remember. Yeah. We don't know how much Maximian was involved in all of this. Bearing in mind, we don't really know if Diocletian was involved, so we certainly don't know if Maximian was involved in all that. If he was, he was probably yeah. just standing behind Diocletian, watching it all unfurl. Yeah. Hand on, on sword handle. He was present when Diocletian was declared emperor, and Aper okay. was killed. Ooh. And around this time, Maximian had two more children. Probably not during the ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> but who knows? His son was the elder of the two, and called Maxentius. Not oh. Maxentius, which I mispronounced last week. It's Maxentius. Maxentius? Yes. And his daughter, Fausta. Presumably, Maximian was with Diocletian when he fought Carinus, leading all those troops. If you remember, Carinus fought against Diocletian and was betrayed by his yes, Praetorian prefect. Yes, he was. 
Yeah, so again, we don't know, but Maximian was probably there. Yeah. And within six months of winning this, Diocletian declared that he needed help fighting Rome's enemies, so he elevated his trusted friend and general to the rank of Caesar. So there we go, we now have Maximian as Caesar. So it's like joint, lower level wrong. Yeah, at this time it was very much, he is my son, together Mm. we will protect Rome. I am Jupiter, Maximian is Hercules, my son. I'd imagine someone sat there going, isn't Maximian older though? No, seven years younger. That'd be great if he was. But it's not much in it. (laughs) Weird paradox. You were seven when you gave... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... So, we looked at all this last week, but it is worth stopping again and wondering why. Well, we discussed why split the Empire up, yeah. get a Caesar, but why Maximian? We have no idea. <laughs> well, he's got his military background, I guess. Yeah, that's what people speculate. He's trusted, he's liked. Yes. BFF. Yes, forever. Oh, no, that's the second F, isn't it? That's the BFF. Fair enough, that's what they were. They shared a necklace, like a little heart, that split exactly in the right place, so when they stood together, they could put the hearts together and... Oh, that's oh, nice. Yeah. Right, so Maximian had some work to do. Gaul was full of unrest at this time. The worst it had been since it had come back to the Empire, since the Gallic Empire had been disbanded. Yes. Yeah, so this this was the worst Gaul had been in quite some time. Oh dear. So Diocletian ordered Maximian to go and sort it out whilst Diocletian went east. Saw that. Yes, so last week we went with Diocletian east. Yes, we did. We saw him getting peace with the Persians. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Um, this time we're going to stick with Maximian. He went north in the late summer of 285. Hard to be sure of the details here. Very sketchy, but it seemed there were three problems facing Gaul at this time. One, an uprising, possibly led by Gallic Romans leading a band of peasants or maybe defecting troops who were not happy with the rise of Diocletian. Yeah. So maybe remnants of, of Carinus's old army. Yeah. Either way, uprising. Not good. Number two, there was an invasion of barbarians. You will be shocked to learn. <gasps> That's so you, isn't like it? Them, yeah. <laughs> Burgundians, Adamani, Heruli, and others were coming over the Rhine. <laughs> Et al. <laughs> yes. Barbarians, we could call them. And three, the English Channel was full of Frankish and Saxon pirates. Yar. Yes. Pesky pirates. So, what to do first? Put down the uprising, then you can do everything else afterwards. Yeah, you see, you're good at this. Yeah, you are. It wasn't born on the list, though. It wasn't so. To do. He's going down in order. <laughs> I would. However, he realised putting down the revolt might take a little bit of time, and those pirates were really causing a lot of problems. Big boats. Yes. Big sails. Big parrots. Big hawks. <laughs> Massive parrots. Yes. It was just not good. So I think they're flamingos. Oh, oh God, is that an ostrich? <laughs> So, knowing that he had to sort out the revolt, he sent his trusted general, Carousius. Trusted. Trusted general. general. You might remember his name from last week. Yeah, he's the one that... Yeah, he's very trusted. That's what He's the really good one, isn't he? (laughs) Um, Followed all the rules. Yes, that's the one. Damn you, stop being so (laughs) passive-aggressive. So, at this point, he was following Maximian's orders. Yeah. So, he went north to go face the pirates. Maximian then put the revolt down and seemed to do so fairly quickly. News, however, then comes through to Maximian that Carousius was also having success and the pirates were being fought off. Good. Well, that's good, isn't it? Maximian sent word to Diocletian to inform him that all was good in the English Channel and Diocletian had made a good choice. Excellent. Yes. You were right to pick me. I've sorted out Gaul. Everything's fine. Awesome. However, 
despite Diocletian's reply being full of praise, all was not actually well at this stage. Mm. Reports started coming in that Carousius was perhaps both too successful and not successful enough with the pirates. Uh? I'll explain. <laughs> he seemed to be awfully friendly with some of the Franks, i.e. the pirates. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And although he did seem to turn up and save the day an awful lot, well done, he also seemed to be just too late to stop the towns from being plundered. Yeah. But just enough time to take the plunder away from the pirates. So it's one big setup. Yeah, the the plunder was then not returned to the towns, that went into but, the army. But Krauss's wallet seemed to be getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, it was odd that. Where do you get that house from? That statue. <laughs> hmm. Do you realise you're still on a boat? You don't need a house. <laughs> so, Maximian, not too pleased. This hmm. is where Maximian shows his political ability. We know he seems to be good at fighting. Yeah. Let's let's see how savvy he is at the political game. Um, <laughs> you look dubious. Well, Crassus becomes the, the emperor, doesn't he? So, <laughs> well, <not> well. <laughs> well, let's see. How, how would you get Crassus back to Gallic HQ at this point? Offer him a prize. The first one back to Gallic <laughs> HQ wins this pony. <laughs> yeah, something like that would work. Yeah, or maybe you deserve a triumph for what there we you've go. done. Yeah. You deserve. Some praise. Diocletian's asked for you to go east. Anything like that mm. would have worked. Would ride on my pony. Yes, definitely something to do with ponies. Yeah, yeah. Did Crousius like ponies? No, Maximian did. Oh, yeah. Chimpanzees okay. do. Was it always a pony with him? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Never a horse. Full, full Fair pony. enough. This is what Maximian actually did. He asked for Roger. Huzzah! And he sent Roger north with a strongly worded letter to Crousius, <laughs> ordering that he turn himself in to be arrested. No one's going to do that, are they? Yeah, it turns out that Maximian is terrible at politics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crousius obviously did not turn himself in. Nope. But instead fled to Britain, taking two or three legions, we're not really sure, with mm. him, and then declared himself emperor. Now, emperor of Britain. There's one thing history has told us, once you're on this island, it's quite hard to take it. Hmm. Yes. All those little tribes. Yeah. And the Scots. And the English Channel in the way. All the water and the shells. Yeah, so... Sand. Unfortunately, there was little Maximian could really do at the time. Mm. He didn't have any boats, because Crousius was in charge of the fleet. Oh dear. So they were all gone, so he couldn't even get to Britannia. Plus, let's not forget, there were three things on that list, and he's only actually dealt with two of them. There are those barbarians invading. That's true. And to be fair, the uprising has turned into an uprising. <laughs> yeah, definitely so uprising, to be fair. But you could say he's only dealt with one, really. You um, can only confidently scribble one out of the list. Yeah, and even then, it certainly is true. You weren't good at him. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, his list is still there. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Not By the well. end of 286, Carousius had secured Britain and northwest Gaul as well. It wasn't just Britain, so he got the northern coast of Gaul. So he had complete control of the channel. Graucius yeah. then started making coins. <laughs> coins that were significantly better in quality than the imperial ones. This won him support of the traders and the merchants in the area. Mm. So not only did the soldiers agree with him, but so did all the people with the money. Yeah, yeah, he would. Your, your general average Joe on the street, they liked Graucius. So Maximian sighed, a deep sigh, <sighs> sent for some parchment, it was time to admit to Diocletian that... What, what's the word I'm looking for? He'd made a, 
a blunder, shall we say. Yeah. Let's keep it A PC. royal <laughs> yeah. mess of things. A royal mess of things. Yes, yeah. that's what he's done. <laughs> if Maximian was worried that he was going to be reprimanded, he was in luck. Publicly, at least, Diocletian stood behind his Caesar. In fact, Maximian was promoted to Augustus. Oh, but there's a reason why. Yes. Because Carousius had declared himself Augustus, yeah. Diocletian had stuff to do in the east. The whole idea of splitting it was that he wouldn't have to run everywhere. So yeah. he just made Maximian Augustus. You deal it with it. You sort it out, Maximian. You're now Augustus. Your bed, you lie in it. Yes. There are some arguments that claim that Maximian actually did a mini-usurpation himself here. Really? But that is generally discounted as nonsense. Okay. But just just so you know, it's Through a bit of a tantrum, maybe. What? <laughs> but I, I don't think he had much of a leg to stand on. I think he would have been very grateful. You're sending that letter admitting what's happened recently and you get a promotion. I, I'd be I'd be happy. I'd be happy. <laughs> okay with that. <laughs> yes. So, despite the Carousius problem, Maximian still needs to deal with all those barbarians. He mm. can't get to Britain, he has no ships. So no. let's start fighting barbarians, he thought. The Burgundii and the Alamanni were targeted first. Maximian went into their lands, torched everything he could find, and through starvation and disease, these tribes were whittled down significantly. Oh. So, burn everything. <laughs> And it worked. Yeah, it worked. Then the Huruli and the Chibonis, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, were met in battle, with Maximian personally leading the troops. Oh, he bet me right at the front. Yeah, well, if the sources can be believed, he was right at the front, riding up and down the front line, mm. cheering people on, really getting them involved. That's, yeah, it's going to get morale up, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, imagine in uh, Return of the Kings, Theoden. Oh, riding yeah. down the front line. Oh, yes. Smashing his sword off the spears, chopping the heads off the spears, <laughs> yeah. apologising. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. I've, got, I've got some threads somewhere we can tie it back on. <laughs> yeah, be fine. Yeah, so apparently all that was going on in this battle. <laughs> Maximian was really there up front being a that leader. That was a damn good speech he did, though. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, well, Maximian probably did that speech. Barbarians were defeated, and Maximian went into their lands across the Rhine and torched everything. Excellent. He does like torching things. By 287, the province seemed to be cleared. In 288, Diocletian paid Maximian a visit. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Inspection, Inspection time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we don't have any details, but I'm guessing some tough questions were asked. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? I, I'm guessing Diocletian has to see some data. Oh, people are always asked about data, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Well, you say you defeated the barbarians, but... Um, How can you prove that? Yes, what percentage of Alamanni uh, were actually killed through sword points? Um, <laughs> <laughs> percentage of arrow killings? <laughs> arrows to the face? It's very important we know these breakdowns, Maxim. Yes, yes. make it more efficient. Yes. Oh, dear. <laughs> or um, that, that horrible question. So how, how would you improve the empire? What do you think's not working? If you could criticise me, Maximian, how would you do that? Yeah, things like that. He was asked all these oh. questions. <laughs> Maximian just sat there in the tent sweating. <laughs> but then the biggest question, right at the end, yeah. just as he thinks Diocletian's about to leave. So, Maximian, what what are you doing about Carousius then? Who? Oh! <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh, dear. We don't really know the details. Maybe it was like that. But what we do know is the outcome of the visit. There yeah. was a joint invasion of the Alamanni by Diocletian and Maximian. Which would just wipe them out once and for all. Yeah, now considering Maximian had recently dealt with them, I couldn't help but wonder 
whether this was a tactic by Diocletian to force Maximian into action. <laughs> yeah. I can, I can kind of see it playing out in this way. Diocletian asks what he's doing about Carousius. Yeah. Maximian says, oh, I can't, I can't go over there because all these Alamanni are running around. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's so sort I, them out then. I can't possibly do that. And yeah, Diocletian politely says, so, so what barbarians exactly is that? Oh, the Alamanni. Well, why don't we go and sort them out then? Oh, um, 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 yeah, let's go and do that, Diocletian. <laughs> Good. Good. So yeah. they were sorted out, as we said last week. They went in, they destroyed the Alamanni. Now, if you go, going to sort out that Carinus guy. Yes, I am guessing. Diocletian left, saying something along the lines of, So, no excuses now, eh? Off you go. <laughs> Toodle pip. I'm back off east. I've got stuff to do. And so have you. Yes. <laughs> Pointing towards the white cliffs of Dover in the distance. <sighs> I think he rode Maximian all the way up to the northern coast I just to so. make that little speech. Yeah, so. <laughs> Look at our empire from, towards the west. It's so full and marvellous. Now let's towards, towards the... Oh. It's not ours, is it, Maximian? No. Someone lost it, didn't they, Maximian? <laughs> Off you go. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that Diocletian didn't go for Carousius himself. He didn't say, right, I'll come and fix it. I guess because Diocletian was very uh, familiar with the east, wasn't he? He was that, from that region and area, so it's just... It's out of his... Yeah. It's not his speciality. Possibly. He knows, or it's theorised, that he knows that Maximian is actually the better fighter. Yeah. So it does show that Diocletian was very smart and thinking, this needs to be done, but there are actually better people to do it than me. That's good. So, yeah. But we've already waited, Diocletian. So That's true, yeah. Let's, uh, let's anyway. keep going, shall we? Right. Around this time, Maximian ordered his son-in-law and Praetorian prefect, a man named Constantius, yes, the same Constantius as last week, Yep. attack Carousius's Frankish allies. This was hugely successful, and client kings and tribes were then resettled along the Rhine to create a buffer state, so at last Maximian could really focus on getting Britain back. Nice. In 289, Maximian set off to invade Britain. Yeah. We know nothing. Right, so no boats, so they go over in a, a wardrobe, a few wooden wardrobes, the whole army. Yeah. Um, horses with scuba gear on, or little snorkels. They didn't have, like, rubber rings back then, so no. I think they just tied they tied wooden cork to the horses. horses' legs and then rode the horses over. So they're upside down. But they had snorkels on, so it was okay. <laughs> yes, that's fine. Before we know, that did happen, because we literally, we don't know. We have a speech from 289 saying Maximian was ready to invade, and we have a speech in 291 where the invasion is not mentioned at all. Oh, well, that's not a good sign, though, is it? <laughs> not a good sign. We have yet another speech where it's reported that the invasion did actually take place, but a storm hit, and Maximian was forced back. Sack the horses. <laughs> yes. Now, this is in no way unbelievable. The English Channel, although really small, is notoriously tricky to cross. Is it? You can swim across it. Quas, quas. <laughs> People uh, swim across it. Yeah, they do nowadays, but but back then, come on, think of all the times in history. Spanish Armada. Yeah. Yeah. But the, history is full they, of people yeah, trying they, to get to Britain and going, they, they oh dear, the weather's not good. They weren't in the the, the channel at that point. They were they were beyond that, like near near close to Spain when the storm hit, like full on in the ocean. I think. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean. Getting to Britain. English Channel. Stop, stop glossing over <laughs> that area. Yeah, fair enough. Yes. 
Okay, so a tsunami then. Yes, a tsunami. Tide waves and tsunamis in the English Channel sank them and pushed them yes, back. Yes, volcano. <laughs> it was a bad day. That's what formed the Isle of Wight. <laughs> yes, yes it was. <laughs> it worked out. Yeah. So, I mean, possibly it was a storm. Um, yeah. But arguably he did get to Britain and Krausius just defeated him. Or Krausius, who can actually sail boats, he's got experience and has the fleet, was able to fight them off in <laughs> the sea. Bear the horses. Yeah. So, oh. <laughs> certainly not doing trireme tactics there. <laughs> you don't need to. Get the guy in the wardrobe. <laughs> So open the door, it'll just sink. <laughs> Let all the water in. Yeah, so it, it 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 didn't go well. No, it didn't go well. Shortly afterwards, Diocletian and Maximian met in Milan. Ooh. And many festivities were held. The two had talks in private. <laughs> Quite possibly along the lines of so, Maximian. <laughs> how's getting Britain going? I heard you ordered twenty thousand wardrobes, <laughs> and you've used up our cork plantation. Because that's how we make cork, I hear. Was it worth it, Maximian? Was it? <laughs> All those ponies. So they talked in private, possibly talking about Diocletian's new plan for the empire. Diocletian informed Maximian that the empire was going to have to have two more emperors. And both of them were going to have to adopt a Caesar each. Ooh. But not related. No. Now, we don't know Maximian's reaction to this. Presumably he would have suggested his son. Yeah. Uh, but in the end... It was chosen that his Praetorian prefect, Constantius, would be his Caesar. Possibly Maximian's choice, but more likely Diocletian's. I don't remember the name Constantius, though, for an emperor. No, well, wait till next week. Okay. <laughs> I think we're going to do him next. I still haven't fully got the order of which way we're doing these emperors right. in my head. In 293, Constantius was officially promoted to Caesar at the same time as Galerius was in the east. The Empire now had four emperors. Yeah. We don't know when it happened, but it's likely that at this time, Maxentius, Maximian's son, yeah. went to live with Diocletian. Oh, yeah. If you remember, Constantine also at this time went to go and live with Diocletian. Constantine? Who's that? Just some bloke. All right. <laughs> You'll find out. Okay. Yeah. So Constantius was taken to one side at some point, soon after he was made Caesar, yeah. and told in no uncertain <laughs> terms that his job, his only job, his one job, was to take back Britain. Okay. Yes. Because <laughs> that git over there can't do it. So. <laughs> yeah. Imagine Diocletian taking him to one side and just saying, look, you're going to have to take Britain. Maximian can't do it. He's completely useless. And then it pans slightly to the left and Maximian stood just there. <laughs> eyebrows arch. Look a bit sad. <laughs> <laughs> but I tried. <laughs> it's not like it was my fault. We lo Oh, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. So Maximian took a little bit more of a back seat for a while. Mm. He was able to do some more traditional ruling while his Caesar was able to take back northwestern Gaul. Oh, he took it back? rest of Gaul was. Britain was still gone, yeah. but Constantius managed to take back the rest of Gaul. Later in that year, a message came through to Maximian that Carousius was dead. Assassinated. He no. probably sent a happy note to Diocletian saying Britain was about to fall. I sorted it. <laughs> I sorted it. It was my plan, honest. Yes, I was playing the waiting game. <laughs> right, there's a gap here that is often puzzled over. Constantius then waits a few years before invading. I guess if it's unstable, it won't become more unstable until. But that, this is what I theorise, and I've not seen it in any books, but it just seems to make sense to me. Why waste time and resources invading a highly protected island province mm. when. 
the leader's gone, just wait for them to all fall apart yeah. and say, can we come back to the Empire, please? Because there'll be a leadership contest, you know, yeah. people fighting over stuff, infighting. So One of them will come over to you to get a deal to help them. Yeah. Yeah, it's bound to happen eventually, isn't it? Yeah. There you go, we've solved that problem. Yeah, so, um, You're welcome. <laughs> that's what Constantius seems to think, or at least that's what I theorise, that's what Maximian seems to think. Charismatic leader's dead, channel's no longer in sole <laughs> British hands, only a matter of time. However, we are all wrong. Oh. We're wrong, Constantius is wrong, Maximian's wrong, because Britain was refusing to come home. Oh. <laughs> Stubbornly sitting there going, nope, don't Why care. Why are we always like that? We're <laughs> islands know. ourselves, aren't we? Yes, Never we are. join in. <laughs> Never join in. Even when we do, we just moan about it until we yeah. sulk off home again. Yeah. <laughs> Maximian was still in Italy when the report came through that the invasion fleet was finally ready. Carousius had decided to actually build boats. Ooh. Yes, which is another reason maybe why it took so long, because he wasn't relying on furniture <laughs> to float across. <laughs> and this is where the Tetrarchy shows its effectiveness. The, the four emperors ships. Yes, ship, because ship. Maximian was able to go north and hold the Rhine frontier whilst his Caesar invaded Britain. Oh, yeah. so that's another example. The Tetrarchy works. Constantius was victorious, and Maximian was finally able to write that letter to Diocletian he'd been dying to write for years. I think he did write it years ago. He just finally sent it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Roger asking every morning, Shall I take the letter to Dessa? No, not today. Okay, anything else? Gaul was finally settled. Yay. Maximian was able to turn his sights on a small but nagging problem. Africa. Think of Toto now. Yes, he's put on some Toto. He raised some troops. Africa had been ne- had been neglected in recent times. When was the last time we talked about Africa? Egypt. Oh, that doesn't count. That's Egypt. That's Africa. That's modern day Africa. It's still Africa. It's on the continent. We're talking western side of the northern shore. Of Ghana. Africa. Modern day Tunisia. Morocco. Morocco. Libya. That's it. And Egypt. And not Egypt. No. Goodness. <laughs> Egypt was part of the East. You can't ask me if it's where Africa and I name somewhere and go, no! It's not on my list. <laughs> well, it's not. <laughs> so yeah, we've not mentioned Africa, no. apart from Egypt, um, <laughs> since, I think, the Gordian episodes. I think you probably died right. in there. Yeah, yeah it's been right. very much neglected in recent times. Nomadic raiding had become common in the area. So in 296, Maximian took an army, marched through Spain, and crossed into Africa the Gibraltar Strait. Yes. Yes, he decided to go that way because Frankish pirates had managed to get that far and were raiding the coasts yeah. down there. So he decided to swing by them, defeat those, and then pop over into Africa. Mm. So some successful fighting. Once in the African provinces, he started his campaign against the nomadic raiders. Things took a bit longer than he thought, so he wintered in Carthage. But then he carried on pushing the nomads back into their homelands, which were sort of nowhere. There were nomads, I suppose. <laughs> That's a bit of a weird sentence. <laughs> <laughs> he then encountered heavy guerrilla fighting. What is a chimpanzee? They possibly went too far and ended up in the Congo. <laughs> uh, Couple of silverbacks sure. going at it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, he wasn't used to fighting in this style. <laughs> the fighting yeah, far was... too big. Yeah, fighting was tough. Um, but eventually... He satisfied himself enough to claim victory and headed back to Carthage to celebrate. He was given the title Restorer of Eternal Light. Uh, is that all Carthage? Oh, is that the lighthouse place? No, that's that's Egypt. That's Alexandria. Damn it. <laughs> Which is in Africa. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, it is. 
In 299, he returned to Italy and he had a triumph in Rome. That's nice. So there we were, feeling sorry for the Romans last week because Diocletian never paid them a visit. But here is Maximian paying them a visit. After a, a while. Long time. After, <laughs> 15 yeah. years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if this is the first time he's been there. It's the first time it's definitely said he went there, but it wouldn't surprise me if he nipped down a few times because mm. that is the area he controls. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So, Maximian then fell into the role of being the emperor that we have not seen for many an episode. Paper? What, paper emperor? Uh, not like a drawing. <laughs> <laughs> Abstract emperor. Uh, like a, a desk job emperor. Yeah, exactly. He, would, he no longer had a war to fight. So he could just sit down and actually do some ruling. I thought said war to fight then. <laughs> Sorry. Constantius was holding the frontier. Maximian was just left to, to rule. Yeah. Yeah, we have little information on him during this time, but he appears to spend his time in Milan or Aquileia. He treated the Senate with contempt, apparently. Possibly even did some executions. Really? Wow. Yes. <gasps> Unfortunately, we have no details. What What year was this? Two. Well, we're, we're around 300 here. Oh, no. Jeff. I don't think Jeff's a senator at the moment. No, but... It's Senator Jeff's he... son, who was in one of the armies. Yeah, if but I remember he's, correctly. he's... He got on quite a bit and... He's passed away. Oh, oh, just old age. Yeah. Oh, okay. He was in his bed, though. Oh, died in his bed. That's Surrounded nice. by four prostitutes. That's <laughs> how he died. <laughs> That's how he would have wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, well done, Jeff, I suppose. <laughs> right. What have we got? <laughs> Milan ruling. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> in 303, Diocletian announced that he was going to visit Rome himself for the first, first time. time. Yes, yeah. Maximian was to join him. We have no records on whether Constantius and Galerius went there as well. Probably not. They were probably kept east and west, keeping an eye on the frontiers. Just like last time, presumably this was where Diocletian set out his plans with Maximian for the future of the Empire. Just mm -hmm. like last time, we don't know Maximian's reaction. He would have been told at this point, Sorry, Maximian, it's time we retire. Ooh. Yeah, their Caesars would take their place and two new Caesars would be appointed. Mm. To sugarcoat this nasty pill, it was uh, generally accepted that Maximian's son would be one of those Caesars. Okay. Yeah, Maxentius living with Diocletian at the time, learning the ropes. So, Maximian, okay, fair enough, my son's going to be in charge. Mm. Diocletian hated his trip to Rome and left early. Yeah, have no record of, of Maximian's reaction, but I can't help but feel he would have liked the place and stayed on a bit longer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you go ahead, I'll <laughs> get some more wine. Yeah, what's, what's that you're leaving? Oh, yeah, I'm right, right behind you, Diocletian. Mm. Yeah. Tell me again how great I am. <laughs> <laughs> News soon came through that Diocletian was close to death. Oh. It wasn't long after he left Rome, remember, on his way home that he almost died. Yeah. So Maximian and Galerius had a secret meeting. When I say secret. A meeting, but it sounds more exciting when I say secret. A meeting that was minuted and recorded and Yes, and fully advertised. And yes. Yeah. Minutes sent to Diocletian immediately afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Of course to be scoutside. Yeah. In fact he was Skyped in. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Right, we don't know who set up the meeting, but it seems likely that Galerius was attempting to shore up some support. Galerius and Constantius were falling out. Ooh. Yes, we'll go into that more next week. Uh, Galerius was attempting to insert his own followers into the position of Caesar, and he obviously realised that Maximian's not going to like this. Nope. So maybe Galerius was attempting to talk Maximian into this, 
Ooh. trying to ease the way. Alternatively, it maybe it was Maximian who initiated the meeting, trying to gauge what the Caesar was up to <laughs> and what was going to happen if Diocletian died. Yeah. So we just don't know what happened in the meeting, but we know they met, and it's intriguing. Mm. Either way, the discussion probably became moot, because it was soon discovered that Diocletian wasn't dead. <laughs> he recovered, and he announced his plans of retirement to the world. In 305, Diocletian and Maximian retired. But there was an unpleasant shock for Maximian. His son was not to be Caesar. <gasps> no! Both new Caesars were Galerius's men, Maximinus Dyer and Severus. Oh dear. Presumably Maximian was very unhappy about this. He did, however, perform the ceremony that gave Severus his new titles, probably with a really grumpy face. Like that. Like the one you've just drawn there, yes. He then went home and stewed. Diocletian may have been happy in retirements growing his cabbages, but Maximian just saw that he had lost power and his family had lost power. He's lost everything in a way. He's lost everything. That's where we ended it with Diocletian. Mm. But, arguably, Maximian's story is most interesting at this point onwards. <laughs> so we're going to his death. Oh, are we? Yes, we are. Let's Excellent. find out what happened to Maximian afterwards. Oh dear. Right, let's not forget there were two people who were more unhappy than Maximian at this point. Yeah. Constantine the Great and Maxentius. Both had been passed over by Galerius and both were very unhappy about this. And then, Constantius died. Oh, Yes. What? Yeah. Leaving a gap in the very newly formed Second Tetrarchy. I thought he was Constantine. Constantius. Constantine's father, Constantius, who is now Augustus of oh, the West. Oh, I'm with you. Yes. So Augustus of the West, Constantius, is now dead. That Indeed. leaves a role of Augustus open. Hmm. Hmm. For reasons we'll go over in a future episode, Constantine was soon able to fill the position of Caesar, and Severus became Augustus of the West. So Severus got a promotion, Constantine becomes Caesar. Yeah. Maximian was digesting this news when word came from his son, who was currently in Rome. Yeah. How would you like to be emperor again, said the note, this time co-ruling with me, Maxentius declared. In fact, he declared himself emperor with the support of a very bitter senate. Oh, really? Yeah, so Maxentius is now the only person without a job in the Tetrarchy. Because uh, okay. his, his friend-slash-rival, Constantine, yeah. is now in the Tetrarchy. Constantius, not happy at all. So he's just trying to usurp everything. Yeah. Oh dear. Galerius hears of this, and was furious. So he sent word to Severus, now Augustus, to go and take back the old capital. However, Severus was in charge of the army that Maximian had given him. Yeah. So the legions were all loyal to Maximian, not Severus. Oh dear. So Maximian responded to his son and said, yeah, I'll join you. And he was able to turn the armies of Severus against him. Oh dear, dear. Severus fled to Ravenna with Maximian in pursuit. The city was so well fortified that Maximian realised that he could not take it by force. Instead, the ex-emperor offered Severus a deal. Severus would not be killed if he gave up. Would you trust that? <laughs> Severus shouldn't have done. <laughs> Severus realised that he was not going to be able to keep up a siege for long, so he gave up. And got killed? We'll find out what happens to Severus in his episode. Or... Oh, he's got an episode? Yes, because he was Augustus for a while. Oh, okay. Yeah, yes, it's the shortest ruling of this period. Yeah. You will get an episode for all of three days. Yes. Right, before we move on, let's just get a Diocletian update. So I'll just pan over yep. to his palace. 
He, at the moment, is planting some cabbages. Oh, fantastic. Yes, that's nice. <laughs> Maximian and Maxantius then realised that Galerius would soon be coming over with a large army. Yeah. It's okay. one thing to defeat Severus, but Galerius had all of the East at his disposal. Constantine joined him. Constantine was up north in Britain and Gaul yeah. at this time. So if Constantine joined Galerius, they would have no hope. So Maximian decided it was time for a bit of politics. Oh, he's good at that. He's good at that, isn't he? Played his strengths. Yes. He went north and he met Constantine. A deal was made where Constantine would not join in the upcoming fight. He wouldn't support anyone, but he'd just stay on the sidelines, which suited Constantine absolutely fine. Yeah. Let the rest fight this out. Yeah. Yes. In return, Constantine would marry Maximian's younger daughter, Fausta. Aww. Remember, Fausta's elder sister was married to Constantine's father, which is a little bit weird. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> it's not bad, but a little bit weird. So you're marrying your... Step... Step-auntie. Oh. It's not blood-related. Yeah, it's fine. It's you fine. still have, like, ten fingers and ten toes. <laughs> yeah, probably. Maximian also declared that Constantine from now on would be called Augustus. Constantine's been promoted. That's nice for him. Yeah. Maximian heads back to Rome and awaited the invasion, and it soon came. Maximian, however, was too experienced for Galerius. Hmm. Galerius was worn down by Maximian's delaying tactics that soon saw Galerius run out of supplies. Galerius managed to get to Rome, but realised he couldn't take it. Oh so in a rage, Galerius left Italy, burning everything he went. Galerius being senior emperor burning down his own towns in a rage here. Oh dear. That's not a good sign. Yes, Galerius the person being in charge of the Christian persecutions. Oh. Looking forward to his episode. <laughs> I am, actually. Before we move on, let's just get another Diocletian update. I'm sure you want to know what he's doing. He's picking some weeds. Oh, good. Yes. Good. Yeah. Right. However, in the jaws of victory came Maximian's defeat, as the saying does not go. <laughs> he had assumed that his son would give him the same power that he had had before, if not more. Oh dear. I mean, surely, who's going to be senior Augustus here, the father or the son? Turns out that Maxentius had different plans. Oh dear. He didn't really have any affection for his father, and his father's usefulness was now running out. He only asked for his father to join in, because he knew he would be able to turn Severus' mm. army. Oh dear. So the two fell out. Maximian got angry stood up in front of the army and ordered that his son be stripped of the purple. Um. <laughs> you don't look hopeful. Nope. <laughs> to the ex-emperor's horror, the soldiers all kind of looked at each other a bit and shuffled their feet. Um. Maximian repeated the order in a louder voice and started getting really angry and everyone just... Mm. Not quite meeting each other's eyes there. Yeah. Yes. One's just busy looking at their fingers. And... Yeah. <laughs> Maxentius, feeling some kind of kin kinship with his father, ordered that Maximian be banished rather than executed. Oh, but where to go? Britain. <laughs> well, he realised that he couldn't really go to Constantine. No. Although he w had recently done deals with him and he was now Constantine's father-in-law, Constantine would only see him as an obstacle to greater power. Constantine was not going to risk a war with Galerius and Maxentius no. just to harbour a fugitive. Yeah. So we don't have a record of what he did exactly, but we do know that he ended up going to Galerius. 
Ooh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, we don't. Hi. Have... <laughs> Hi. You remember me? <laughs> that must have been a fun meeting. Oh yes. Well, we have no idea how this happened. It just seems really weird. But I, the only way I can see this happening is if Maximian first went to Diocletian. Yeah. Because that makes sense. Go to your friend. Yeah. Go to Diocletian, who's busy farming, and then Diocletian. <laughs> sent word to Galerius and said, no, seriously, come on, let him in. Yeah. Show some respect. So Diocletian was probably mending bridges behind the scenes at this point. Hmm. This is supported by the fact that within a year, in a year? Within a year, Maximian Galerius and, coming out of retirement for one meeting, hmm. Diocletian met to discuss what to do. Do you think Diocletian's wearing, like, gardener's gloves, a little apron? Yeah. A hat, a straw hat. <laughs> yeah. Big massive beard now. I think that's definitely what he's doing. He yeah. walks in. Do you want to try one of my carrots? They taste so much better from what you get from the supermarket. Organic. They're all organic. organic. <laughs> Been trying these new dyes. That orange look. That's far more interesting. <laughs> Maximian tried his hardest to persuade Diocletian to come out of retirement at this time, but Diocletian was having none of it. And finally, we get a quote here. We finally get a source we can quote from. When solicited by Maximian and Galerius for the purpose of resuming control, Diocletian responded this way, as though avoiding some kind of plague. If you could see at Salone the cabbages raised by our hands, you surely would never judge that temptation. So he's saying, look, if you could see what I'm producing here, you'd know why I can't come with me. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I understand the Empire's a mess, but these cabbages... Yeah. Whew. <laughs> they're, they're in the um, they're my allotment growers competition next week. Yeah, I can't go for gold. Can't pull out the competition. It's in the diary. <laughs> Diocletian then sat down with Max Simeon and said, "Seriously, the game's up. <laughs> you are no longer emperor. You're never going to be emperor again. Stop trying to be emperor." Cabbage. <laughs> yeah. Take take some cabbage seed. Go and find a field. Come on, off you go. <laughs> does everything into perspective. <laughs> yes, it does. So, outcomes of the meeting. It was decided that Constantine would be bumped back down to Caesar, and Caesar okay. of the West. Galerius would stay as Augustus for the East, and Senior Augustus. And Maximinian Dyer, someone we've not really come across so far, no. but we will do, would stay Caesar in the East. And Maxentius would be declared a usurper. Ooh. This leaves a space, of course. Yeah, we're on down, aren't we? We're on uh, Caesar down. And Augustus. And Augustus, yes. Yes, we need the leading Augustus in the West. Presumably, at this point, when they were staring at this blank space on this table they've just yeah. created, Maximian started clearing his throat a few times. <clears throat> <coughs> Who could we choose? Who's got good experience in fighting and... <coughs> well, who has experience of being the Augustus of the West? I mean, who's done that before? Yeah. Who, who could possibly do that? Yeah, he's said <coughs> a few times. I prefer them just having that conversation in front of him and he just keeps coughing really loudly. Like <laughs> yeah. See, and he's going... <coughs> no? Okay. <laughs> However, it was decided, interestingly... That it was one of Galerian's men Ooh. should become the Augustus. Can you see Galerius showing up a lot of support here? He's surrounding himself. He is, isn't he? This was a man called Licinius. There we now have the ninth name. Ah, oh, yes. So, yes, we were missing a name, but Licinius 
is there. He will survive a while. Let's definitely keep a note on him. Side note here, Maximilian Dyer, heard of this. Yeah. And he's been quite quiet so far, hasn't he? Yeah. But now he is not happy. He'd been Caesar for a while now, so why couldn't he have been promoted? Yeah. Yeah. Severus got promoted. I mean, okay, he then died. Yeah. Or not. We've not ruined that yet. Yeah. But, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, so Maximilian Dyer, not happy. So, Diocletian went off back to farming on his small little farm that happened to be in the middle of a massive palace. Yeah. Yes. Galerius went back to Nicomedia to be angry. Yeah. And Maximian headed where? Don't know. Where would he go? West again, just to something to do in the army. Off to Constantine. Oh, of course he does. Yes. Now he can go. He's got official blessing. It's now safe to go and live with his new son-in-law. Oh. Yes. Constantine cautiously accepted him. <laughs> okay. But did not let the old man anywhere near any kind of decision-making whatsoever. This is your room. Stay in it. <laughs> yes. You're not going to be emperor. What? What's that? Is that a bloke crown? No. Not having the crown. <laughs> Give me the sword. And you're not having these posters of emperors up even. <laughs> Just get ideas. Yeah. Just right. stop. Jeff, guard the door. <laughs> yes. This infuriated Maximian, who could not understand why no one wanted him to rule anymore. Yeah. <laughs> why does that be rule? I did it for 20 years. So he came up with a cunning plan. He bribed Jeff to get out of the way first. So. Jeff! Jeff! I thought Jeff, Jeff was dead. New, uh, Jeff's son. Oh, okay. He's a palace guard. New and new and inexperienced. That's possibly why he let yeah. Maximian out. Right, yeah, exactly. okay. So, cunning plan is this. Constantine went off campaigning in the Rhine at some point. Maximian let it be known to anyone who would listen that Constantine was dead. Jeff believed it, didn't he? Jeff believed it. All the army had to rally to him. So Maximian set a time and a date. Everyone had to be there. (laughs) Only Jeff turned up. (laughs) Full of armour. Yeah. (laughs) Carrying carrying a donkey. (laughs) And a pony. Yeah. Constantine, perhaps expecting a move, practically flew back from the frontier and caught Maximian off guard. Maximian was just about able to flee to Marseille. Probably with Jeff. Oh, Jeff Pigabat, right? Yeah. And then was surrounded. Oh dear. The town, fortunately for Maximian, was very well fortified and able to withstand a long and bitter siege as long as no one opened the gate. Oh, Jeff. Unfortunately for Maximian... <laughs> The town immediately opened the gate. <laughs> yep. They weren't having any of this. Yep. Nope. <laughs> you want us to protect you? No. <laughs> not doing that. He's in here. Constantine's got a massive army. <laughs> Constantine realising that there's just no hope that this man is ever going to give up, Aww. ordered that Maximian kill himself. Aww. And I quote, Maximian Hercules, besieged by Constantine, then captured was executed in a fashion most base, with his neck snapped by a noose. He's hanged. Yes. Gosh. In July 310, Maximian died. Diocletian update. He's having a lemonade by his vegetable patch. Oh, that's nice. (laughs) Well, there we go. That's Maximian. Oh, I seem as a bit of an idiot. (laughs) That might be the, the, the... The story we sort of formed of him, but it's like a desperate. Oh, one power, please. 
But don't forget, that last bit is only a few years. Yeah. And he ruled for a long time before then. Yeah. So, I don't know, let's judge him. Fightius Maximus. As ever recently, we don't have any details for fighting, so we can only go on the general overview. Victor says that he has great military talents. He was chosen by Diocletian to be the fighter for the Emperor, so he clearly knew his way around a battlefield. Yeah. He knew the pointy end of the sword, which he could. <laughs> it's always useful. He was, again, presumably involved in the battle against Carinus. We don't know for certain, but we're fairly mm. sure he was. Although it should be noted that this was almost lost, this battle. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He fought in Gaul. He won a pitched battle, remember, when he was doing his Theoden riding up and down the front line, encouraging the troops. Cut the spears, yep. Yes. He fought and defeated the Alamanni with Diocletian. He went off to Africa. He didn't call it a job done when he could have done. He chased down all the nomadic tribes deep into their territory, right into the Sahara. He got rid of the Frankish pirates that were in Spain. Um, Yeah, he generally did lots of fighting barbarians, which, that's good. So to sum up his good, he possibly never lost a battle. (laughs) And he beat two other Tetrarchs. Because remember, after he was emperor, he then defeated Severus and Galerius. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Mm, that's true. Bad. He could not get Britain back. In the end, it fell to Constantius to do it. Well, we could argue to get Britain back because the the time suited it more for Constantius. Was it to get it? Yeah, you <clears> could <throat> say that. Maybe the time wasn't right. Maybe it was a storm that pushed him back. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, as a wave, quick back. As much as we mocked him and decided he tried to float across on furniture. Maybe he did build a fleet. Maybe it was just pushed back by a storm, so they had to wait. Maybe it was yeah. going successfully. We just don't know. So, yeah, it's it's a black mark, the whole Britain thing. And that's what we've got, really. Um, It's not bad. I'm, it's not I'm bad, thinking, like, seven. Like, better than average. Seven, probably, perhaps eight. Yeah, I was thinking eight. It's not bad. It's not the best we've seen, but... He does a lot of successful fighting. I'm yeah. going to go for eight. I'll, I'll stick a seven, I think, then. Okay. It's 15 for Fightius Maximus. Approvium Crazium. Okay. A couple of quotes. He was fierce by nature. He was burning with lust. Oh. Yes. <laughs> probably get that scene, too. <laughs> it probably should. <laughs> they have creams. He was somewhat boorish. Latinius, um, a Christian source, hated him. As do all Christian sources at this time. And I quote, Maximian had a bolder spirit than Diocletian. Prone not to good, but to evil. Yes. He claims that Maximian would make up charges against rich senators just to get their money. And thus the treasury delighting in blood overflowed with ill-gotten wealth. (laughs) Another word, ill-gotten. Yes. (laughs) He then goes on to say that Maximian did many wrongs in the bedroom. Oh. Oh, yes. Bit of bowing scandal for those Rex Factor fans out there. Does it say what? Yes. Not only in debauching males, which is hateful and abominable, but also in the violation of the daughters of the principal men of the state. For wherever he journeyed, virgins were suddenly torn from the presence of their parents. So, not, not only lying with men, but also... Stealing young virgins. <laughs> it's uh, quite obviously 
early Christian bias against him. I, I would definitely think so. Yeah, we can't really take that seriously. Because um, emperors are all up for, you know, if it moved, have sex with her. Yes, I mean, so, back, you know, back in pagan Roman times, it was certainly seemed as acceptable, the norm. Yeah, so that's as bad. I mean, at least yeah. we do have some. That's something. Something. There's not nothing at all. Good saying. He did not push the edicts against the Christians. Notice I didn't okay. really mention that during yeah. his um, biography because he did issue that first edict, ordering that Bibles be burnt and yeah. churches be torn down. But as far as we can tell, no Christians died under Maximian. That's good. Yes. So that kind of shows that. Uh, he did not have a personal vendetta, and he was sane enough to realise that religious persecution is not a yeah. good thing. Okay. So, there we go. That's what we got. We got a little bit of gossip there, a bit of early Christian... I think we should take the gossip on board, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've had a bit of a, a scandal drought recently, so mm. we need something to fill our probium crazium. Three. Three. Jaunty three. <laughs> three for him potentially stealing young virgins. Um... I can only go for two myself. All right. Yeah, I'm not going to go quite as high as that, so that's five for a probium crazium. Successes ultimus. Okay, Diocletian gets all the credit for stopping the crisis. Yeah. Diocletian ruled for 20 and a bit years. Yep. Maximian rules for about 20 years. Right. Giving away tempo complete there, but I think it's fairly obvious. Okay, said it right. So, surely we should be giving him some of the credit. He was joint emperor mm. when the crisis stopped. I guess it's seen as sort of Diocletian's mastermind. He he's the he's the puppet master. Yes, that's how it. That's the difference, isn't it? Yeah, and that is a big difference. But yeah. I'm trying to find reasons for him to discuss some points. But he there. would have been part of that. He's part of that success, but not. Yeah. he wasn't the founder of that success. Yeah, so I think he deserves something for being yeah. part of that success. Maybe not much. This one I do think is worth noting, though. He does not revolt. Yes, he's trustworthy. At any point in twenty years, if at any point he had turned against Diocletian, the entire thing would have come crashing down. Yeah. And that's good because he obviously sees the like Diocletian the bigger picture. If I do this, we're screwed. Yeah. And he so easily could have turned against Diocletian at so many points. Yeah. Even when Diocletian was on his deathbed and they had that meeting, him and Galerius. Yeah. And we don't know what happened there, but surely there must have been some talk about okay, Diocletian's not dead, but maybe we should us two should make a move to be joint Augustus or something. There must have been yeah. something going on. But from what we can tell, Maximian towed the line. Good. And, hugely, he was asked to step down. And he did. And he did. Yeah, that's true. So he, he followed. He was loyal to Diocletian. So I think because of his loyalty, Diocletian was able to do what he did. Not many people would have done that, sure. True, no, that's true. So I definitely think he deserves points for that. Yeah. Um, all these great forms that are coming through, okay, they might come from Diocletian, but they're being acted out by Maximian. Yeah. So uh, maybe some of that. Okay, so that's his good. What about bad? He was politically awful. <laughs> and we marked him down for Phytius Maximus for not being able to get Britain back, and successors Ultimus. He was the one who lost Britain. Yes, yeah, true. <laughs> if he just sent a more polite note, yeah, that's that's years of schism in the empire saved just because he couldn't keep calm writing a note. Yeah, not that's very very true. Not great. He stepped down, so he deserves points. But 
he refused to stay down afterwards. Yeah. He just would not retire. He kept throwing his hat behind his son, which <clears throat> led to a civil war. And then afterwards, he tried to usurp Constantine, which could have led to more trouble. He just did anything he wanted in retirement. Not great. It's like when, you know, History Dog, when he jumps up, you push him down, he keeps jumping back up again. Yes. After a sudden, down! <laughs> down, History Dog! Yeah. yeah. That's probably what Constantine said when he was standing over Maximian's body. Now you're down. Stay down. <laughs> so to sum up his success as Ultimus, how vital was he to Diocletian's plan? Could someone else have done this job? His job was mainly a military one, and how successful was he at being military? That's what we need to decide. I think well, it, that's fighty, I argue. True, but I, th- I think it does come down to this. is His job was to be Diocletian's number two. Yeah. <laughs> and how well did he do that? Well, he lasted over 20 years, didn't he? Yeah. So that's... I think he wasn't very good. But he did not revolt, and that is the key. He was loyal. He was loyal. loyal. (laughs) His loyalty made Diocletian able to do everything that he did. And that's... That's a huge thing. He deserves credit for that. Yeah, that's a good point. But unfortunately, he wasn't very good at anything else. No. Um, I think... I want to give him five, and I think that's fair. Because he's part of the success at the end of the crisis. And that loyalty adds to that, so I, I do want to give him five for that, but I can't, I wouldn't feel right giving him more than that. That's cause... exactly where I was thinking. Oh, I good. Duck straight down the middle for that. Okay, that is ten for successor Ultimus. Image of Okay, what do you think he looked like? Hmm, I actually have quite a clear image in my head. Gone for a big nose. Looking slightly worried. Thinning on top. Nice little short spiky. Short spiky, yeah. Short little beard. Okay. Thuggish, but but sort of like stupid. Every now and again, doesn't happen very often. Oh, come across a bust where you go, yes, at last, there's a bust. There's there. a cracking bust. <laughs> what a great bust! <laughs> Occasionally, you think that whilst doing your research, and then you, <laughs> s- you stop getting distracted and go back to the research. Right. So, here we go. Oh yes! <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> Oh, wow. That's a big face. <laughs> a big, wide, beardy face. That's a scary-looking face. Yes. He... Wow. It's like a mix between Henry VIII and Bray Wyatt, if you watched wrestling. <laughs> All two of you out there. <laughs> that's that's phenomenal. Yes, a big, wide face. Eyes sort of half-closed. That's sort of the Henry Tudor-ish sort of look there. Yeah. Eyebrows arched a little bit. Big... Tash and a big, short but big, full beard and short hair. That's that's impressive. It's a good bust. Oh, that's it? that's that's. I can't give it ten, but I'm going for nine. Yeah, uh, I, I nine and a half. It, I would. I'll tell you what. I know we shouldn't really collude, but uh, I'm I'm willing. If you're going for nine, I might go for ten, just so he's got. All right. So he's got nineteen in total, because I like that bust. He's just looks like a big jolly angry man and oh. I know those two are antonyms but I think it kind of works <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah that's amazing how have you now got to divide 19 by four? that gives him an impressive 4.75 yeah. for his yeah. image facius bumps his score up a little bit final round temple completely one yes <laughs> 20 years. 20 years, <laughs> exactly. 20 years, which gives him 2.5 for Tempo Completo. Ooh. So that is a Ooh. not bad score. 
not bad at all. Thirty-seven points. <laughs> no. Thirty-seven point two five. If oh, you go right. through our spreadsheet, that puts him slightly below Valerian, but mm. above Claudius. Good. Which I completely agree with. Yeah. Yeah. It's not bad. Oh, interesting. Before we go into Jeanne Caesar, yeah, there was only one person who has scored higher than him who has not received it before, and that is Severus. Ooh. Every other person above him has got Jeanne Caesar. Interesting. Why didn't we have Severus? I quite often wonder this when we were doing our recap a few episodes ago. It's like mm. Severus scored very highly. Well, I think it's because he, he was very competent, but not very interesting. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. probably. But the beard, though, should have saw him. Anyway. Anyway, we're, we're digressing. Let's let's, let's see ask if, the question. Yeah, let's see. Do they have a certain genesis? Right. For the first time in a long time, I think we actually have a discussion here. Okay. Despite your notes that you've already written down. What notes? <laughs> So I think I have a feeling what you're going to say. What? Okay, well, okay. I'll pretend I didn't tell me, see the notes. Okay. Tell, tell me why you think you should, then. Basil says no. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the story after he's meant to retire that makes him interesting. Yeah. He, it makes him pathetic. But it's a, it's a, it's a good story. I, I quite like that. Mm. He's first emperor to retire. Apart from Diocletian. <laughs> well, they didn't jointly. They the didn't yeah, And Diocletian's sorry. always given credit. Oh, first emperor to retire. Interestingly, in one of the books that I read, said Diocletian was the second emperor to retire after Nerva. And no. he didn't. No. <laughs> as far as I'm aware. Yeah. yeah, I'll have to go back and check that. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, Maximian retires. That's a big thing. Yeah. And Diocletian's the first person to retire voluntarily. Yeah. Maximian's the first person to retire against his wishes. <laughs> True. And then tries his best to get back on the throne. So that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, no, I think you're right, though. I don't think he's quite good enough, is he? He's an interesting Not... character. I quite like him, but... Yeah, but it, it, to me it doesn't have that certain something. It no. doesn't have that certain spark that I'd, I'd want to, to have. I'm not enamoured with him. No, I mean, it kind of helps that I knew what he looked like, so I always almost picture a Brian Blessed kind of figure. <laughs> yes! <laughs> running around whilst we were doing the whole story. Just shouting. Yeah. Mm. But fair enough, no, I think I'll agree with you. Fair enough. Let's go for no. Sorry, Max Damien. You Sorry. do not get Jeanne César. So that's a no this week, no. unfortunately. That's our second of the Tetrarchic War period. Yep. Yeah. And we're 1-0 for... Genesis eyes with that. Yes. I think we're gonna go for Constantius next week. Constantine. Constantius. What? I'm like yeah, I thought he died. His dad was Constant What? <laughs> yes, we have remember. I'm scared. <laughs> Maximian's Caesar was Constantius. Oh yes. And when Maximian retired, Constantius became Augustus. For a short while. So he yeah. is an emperor for a while. I'm with you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's we, we've got a choice between Constantius or Galerius. Constantius mm. dies sooner, so I think we'll go for him first. Okay. But there's so much overlapping in this mm. period, we can kind of pick and choose which order yeah. we go in. But yes, I think Constantius next, okay. and then we'll go for Galerius. If you change your mind, then you know, prepare for that, listeners. Yeah, yeah well, you'll soon find out. Yeah. Right, okay, this week at the end, um, a couple of podcasts you may be interested in. Always important, as podcasts support each other. Mm. So, to begin with, a very obvious one, um, but I'm sure you all have heard of it, Saga Thing, 
definitely go and listen to Sag Thing. It's an amazing podcast. Very good. Really enjoy it. The other one is a brand new podcast. Ooh. Brand new. I think they've only released two episodes to date. It's called History by Hollywood. Ooh. Yes, it's a new podcast where they look at Hollywood films. Yeah. And then they see how accurate it was. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a really good premise, isn't it? That's so, great. The first episode is Gladiator. <gasps> yeah. We've done that. Yeah, we've done that. Kind of. Um, but they dedicate a whole episode to it. Oh, wow. And, yeah, so they look at Gladiator and then they talk about the actual history of the time and how accurate it was and then they give the score a rating on entertainment yeah. and on historical accuracy. That's brilliant. Yeah, really entertaining. So if you like historical films, then go and have a go. That is History by Hollywood. Yeah, that sounds really good. And thank you very much to all of those people who are leaving reviews at the moment. It really does help the podcast grow. We'll read some of those out next week, I think. Yeah. Um, and you can contact us. We've got a Facebook page, Roman Empress House Rankium. We're on Twitter as well, the same thing. You can download us from Podbean, iTunes and Stitcher for free. Yeah, we won't charge you, not no. visibly anyway. No. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. <laughs> I did it, everyone's a bit nervous now. Like, oh no. <laughs> can I check my bank account? <laughs> right. So, uh, let's have a sign off. off. Um, Happy retirement. <laughs> Enjoy your cabbages. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Arise, arise, riders of Rome. Fell deeds awake, fire and slaughter. Spear shall be shaken, shield be splintered. A sword day, a red day ere the sun rises. Ride now, ride, ride, ride. Ride to ruin and the world's ending. Death! 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 Uh, uh, excuse me, Emperor. Uh, Emperor. Y- yes? You, you, you chopped the end of my spear off. Oh, gosh. Oh, I, I do apologise. I'm is sorry. It, is this going to be deductible? Um, I, I don't know. I have to speak to, to, to somebody else. I, I'll write to Diocletian. Just want to uh, address something that a few people rose. No. That a few people rise. No. Raised. Raised. That's the one. <laughs> oh, dear. Romans. Uh...